Awakening Buddha. Most of us enter into recovery with one goal in mind, to stop the suffering that got us here in the first place. Whether that was drinking, using drugs, stealing, eating, gambling, sex, codependency, technology, or other process addictions. As newcomers, most of us would be satisfied with simple damage control. We want to stop harming ourselves or others in particular ways. You're reading this right now because you had enough wisdom to start seeking the end of the suffering of your addiction. You've already taken the first step on the path to your own awakening. Everyone who has made the wise intention to recover, wherever they are on their path, has accessed that pure, wise part of themselves that the wreckage of addiction can never touch. So many of us have hearts that are tender and worn raw from the suffering we've experienced. Many of us have collected layers of trauma which often led us to seek temporary relief in our addictive behavior. But then, through our addiction, we added more layers of demoralization and shame that hardened around our hearts. On top of those layers are the ones we built for our protection, all the ways we've run from pain, all the ways we've pushed people away in fear of being vulnerable, all the ways we've shut parts of ourselves off in order to adapt to what often feels like a hostile world. We started to recover when we let ourselves believe in the part of us that's still there beneath all those layers we've collected and built, the pure, radiant, courageous heart where we find our potential for awakening. Who were we before the world got to us? Who are we beyond the obsession of our conditioned minds? Who are we beneath all our walls and heartbreak? Despite the trauma, addiction, fear, and shame, there is a still and centered part of us that remains whole. There is a part of us that's not traumatized, that's not addicted, that's not ruled by fear or shame. This is where wisdom comes from, and it's the foundation of our recovery. If you're at the beginning of your recovery journey, it may seem impossible to access this part of you. But the reason you're here is because you already did. It's because you felt some small glimmer of hope, maybe born out of desperation, that there might be a way out, that things could change if you took wise action and reached out for help. Maybe it feels impossible to have faith in this part of you, to believe that you have the potential to be someone capable of wisdom and kindness and ethical deeds, to believe you can be the source of your own healing and awakening. But don't worry. Recovery doesn't happen all at once. The path is a lifetime of individual steps. It's not only the Buddha's example that shows us the way. It's also the examples of people in our recovery communities who have gone through what we have and made it through to the other side, 
they show us we can too. So what does the Buddha have to do with recovery? There are two ways in which we use the word Buddha, which means awakened. First, it is the title given to a person named Siddhartha Gautama, a man who lived in modern-day Nepal and India roughly 2,500 years ago. After many years of meditation and ethical practice, he discovered a path that leads to liberation or awakening and the end of suffering, and that's why Siddhartha came to be known as the Buddha. The second usage of the word Buddha follows from the first. Buddha can refer not only to the historical figure, but also to the idea of awakening. The fact that each of us has within ourselves the potential to awaken to the same understanding as the original Buddha. When we take refuge in the Buddha, we take refuge not in Siddhartha as a man, but in the fact that he was able to find freedom from his suffering. He was human, just like us, and experienced suffering, just like us. He found liberation from it, and so can we. The Story of the Original Buddha To understand the nature of this awakening and what it is we're aiming at, it helps to know something about the life of the man named Siddhartha Gautama. There are many versions of the traditional story of the Buddha, some of them are very mythical, while some of them are more down-to-earth. It's been said that Siddhartha was a prince, that he was wealthy, and that he was born into privilege, sheltered from much of the suffering of the world. The story goes that young Siddhartha sneaked away from his palace and saw people suffering from old age, sickness, and death. He realized that no amount of privilege could protect him from this suffering, Wealth couldn't prevent it, comfort wouldn't prevent it, pleasure wouldn't prevent it. Despite having a life of ease, Siddhartha still found that he experienced suffering and dissatisfaction. He was born with everything, but it wasn't enough. This persistent dissatisfaction with life, whether dramatic or subtle, was referred to as the dukkha in the language of the Buddha's time, a word we still use today. All humans experience dukkha, but some of us, particularly those of us who have struggled with addiction, seem to experience it on a more intense level and with worse consequences. What is addiction but the consistent and nagging feeling of not enough? What is addiction other than being constantly unsatisfied? Siddhartha saw clearly that pain was an unavoidable part of life, and he became determined to find a way to put an end to it. He left his family and tried, for a while, the life of an ascetic, the most extreme opposite to his previous life of comfort and wealth. As an ascetic, he sat in extremely uncomfortable postures, meditating for long periods of time. He slept very little. He ate very little. He even tried breathing very little. He thought that, since material comfort hadn't brought about an end to suffering, maybe the opposite of material comfort would. But it didn't. Pushed to the brink of death, Siddhartha abandoned the idea of extreme asceticism and instead chose what he came to call the middle path.
Siddhartha realized that both the extremes of pleasure and denial of pleasure had gotten him nowhere nearer to liberation. Neither extreme had given him relief from his suffering. So he set off on his own to meditate. Sitting beneath a Bodhi tree, he meditated deeply and discovered the path that leads to the end of suffering. He looked within himself for his own liberation, and he found it. What Siddhartha found meditating under the Bodhi tree is what we refer to as the Dharma, or the truth. It's what the path of Buddhism is based on. Central to this path are the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, which will be explained in the next chapter. Siddhartha was called the Buddha, or the one who woke up, because the way most people go through life was thought to be like dreaming or being in a trance. The Buddha spent the rest of his life developing the Dharma into a simple but sophisticated system. He shared it with anyone who would listen, dedicating himself to a life of service to free everybody from suffering. He bucked the trends of his time by letting women and the poorest class of citizens become monastics. Everybody was welcome in his sangha, his spiritual community. Central to his teachings was that liberation is available to all, to the most broken and oppressed among us, to the sick, to the powerless, to those who have lost everything, to those who have nothing left to lose. All of us, even the most addicted, the most lost, can find our way to awakening. Walking in the Footsteps of the Buddha The story of the Buddha may seem far removed from our everyday reality, but his life, both before and after his awakening, offers us a model for our own lives. Probably all of us can relate to the suffering that seems to be unavoidable in life. In some way or another, the signs of aging, sickness, or death have touched us all. We've experienced the truth of impermanence. The highs and pleasures we achieved in our addictions always eventually wore off, but we kept chasing them anyway. We've endured other forms of suffering, some of it self-inflicted and some at the hands of others. And we've dealt with the subtle forms of dukkha, the annoyances with others, the boredom, the loss of what we want, the inability to keep what we have, the impatience with life, the refusal to accept what is. And what have we done with these experiences of suffering? Maybe we tried to change them. Maybe we tried to avoid them. Maybe we tried to find something more pleasurable to replace what was unpleasant. It's at this point that most of our stories start to look different than Siddhartha's, and it's this difference that led us to this program. Instead of deeply understanding suffering, we found ways to avoid it or replace it with something we found more pleasurable. For some of us, that came in the form of drinking or using. For others, it came in the form of sex, relationships, food, self-harming, technology addiction, workaholism, or gambling. 
and for a lot of us, our stories contain some version of all of the above. Whatever our behavior was, we found that it was just a temporary solution that always led to deeper suffering for ourselves and others. We've come to realize that our stories don't have to continue like this. The life of Siddhartha and the lives of the countless people we meet in recovery who have found an end to the suffering of addiction prove to us that there is another way. We, too, can look back upon our own lives and see clearly the path that brought us here. We can examine our own actions and intentions and come to understand how we shape our own future. And we gain insight into the nature of our own suffering and follow a path that leads to less harm and less suffering. This is a path of practice. While the Buddha can be an ideal that inspires us, he won't do the work for us. The Buddha wasn't a god. There's nothing miraculous about the path we follow. We believe, and experience has shown us, that good results come when we put the necessary effort into our own recovery. This is a program of empowerment. We take responsibility for our own actions and intentions. The Sangha is here to help us along the way. None of us is expected to become an ascetic. We don't have to become monks or nuns. We don't have to meditate for hours each day. We don't have to become Buddhists. But we have found that the path outlined in the Four Noble Truths can lead us to liberation from both the suffering of addiction and the suffering that comes from simply being human. And we trust in the potential in all of us to find freedom from this suffering.